Hi there, this is Jim, the host of the Keys Bartender Podcast. The Keys Bartender Podcast is about bartending and life. And I'm here in Key Largo. I, there's a little thunderstorm, there's some wind. I'm hoping for some rain. It hasn't rained here significantly in days. And uh, yeah, just, you know, we get these, you hear the thunder and the lightning, but it's just the tease. It's just a tease because we know that rain isn't coming anytime soon, really. You just see those clouds and it's, it's weird here in the Keys. I've seen it for years. You're always like, you're praying for rain. You're just praying for it. Everything's brown and dusty sometimes. Not to necessarily everything, but you know, the, the grass and everything. And to have a little rain, it kind of keeps the dust down and all this stuff. You know, we, we, you, you think of the tropical paradise and you think that it's raining all the time. Well, in the Keys, it doesn't, we're kind of semi-tropical. And in the summer, it gets a little dry around here. Sometimes get a little droughty. And we like to have that rain, especially up uh, near the Everglades, and things like that, to keep fresh water flowing into the Florida Bay. It, it, it does something very important by providing that. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. I want to first talk about, you know, recently at my place of work, we added a new uh, POS system. We didn't have a POS system at all. We did everything, hand tickets. And the nice thing about having uh, a POS system is like we're, we're slowly through starts and stops getting used to and streamlining our workflow and it's hard to do when you're just used to writing tickets but there's all these advantages having uh, having that POS system being able to get a ticket with a bunch of drinks on and not having them shout at me able to conduct business with people and and then take a piece of paper make a drink order save all these uh, orders on a computer being able to print them out without having to tabulate it or split it you know you split it by moving items to another check right doing the payment processing in the same area or automatically doing the payment processing because the bill's right on the computer so we it it was uh it just like anything, just like any birth of a new idea, it it becomes kind of fitful. You're not you're not starting the same day using a new system and you're not it's not smooth sailing. But it doesn't mean it won't be smooth sailing. We are learning the processes, we are streamlining, it's becoming uh, we are more efficient. And we're more efficient using the technology that we have on hand. And uh, we're looking forward to that. But it was uh, just prior to the show, I was doing a little research. And uh, the episode name, and I'm going to stick to it, is called A Mean Dope. So if you take that amigram, anagram, at least the, the sounding of the amigram, anagram, and you put dopamine it's it's those things we're used to it's habits that we have that produce things that uh, it, dopamine is a neurotransmitter um, when dopamine is released we it really activates our pleasure centers uh, a lot of people 
addiction experts talk about how this is the cornerstone of addiction. You name it. Whether you call this sex addiction, a food addiction, uh, let's say uh, uh, an addiction to binge watching television. All those things, your your body responds to those things. I have, uh, well, obviously, I thought I was addicted to alcohol for years. I got to put this phone away for a second. It's just my sister keeps texting me, and she doesn't quite get it sometimes. When I'm not available, I am not available. And when I'm doing a podcast, I'm not available. It's an emergency. You make a phone call. Getting back to the what we were talking about, dopamine and doing things. So I get, um, when it comes to work, uh, it's not necessarily that we're doing things that are releasing dopamine. Now, if you're doing things at work, like smoking cigarettes, uh, drinking, taking drugs, uh, stealing, that can pr- promote a kind of a euphoric, you don't even realize it. You're addicted to certain behaviors. What I'm talking about is addicted to behaviors, uh, let's, just, let's say behaviors that aren't conducive to the proper running of your business. Now, I'm talking about bartending here. And the proper way, oh, bartender, sometimes we get addicted to our demeanor. Our demeanor. And uh, instead of you know, it gets to be a habit. And sometimes, uh, for me, it's being unenthusiastic sometimes. I got to a habit about coming into work and being unenthusiastic. And I'm planning on changing that. Oh, hopefully you can hear that thunder coming up behind us. It sounds like it's really going to storm here. But I'm gonna, well, it's not like I'm outside. But... I got into the habit of being this kind of con- curmudgeon, I'd have to say. Uh, when, when someone says something that kind of slightly piques my sensibilities, I do. I get rather sarcastic. I realize that's my personality. I'm trying to be good nature sarcasm, but I can see it. I can see being sarcastic in a caustic way. And that's a bad habit to have. I just, it goes, I go right automatically into that mode. And there's ways, and I've been studying this uh, for a long time on how to break the things that I've had wrong with me. And I'm going to talk about it in the second half of the second. When I say wrong, 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 things wrong with me are things that create a bad operating environment for me. If I was a system, and I am a person, and which you are a system, biological system, there's things that make me feel good and things that make me feel bad. And the things that make me really feel good aren't necessarily the things that you do at the time that make you feel good. Right? Like someone says something and I want to go and say something sarcastically, yeah, I'll feel good about it in the short run. But afterwards, I may feel as I treated someone poorly, that person may have a bad reaction. They may leave a bad uh, review for the restaurant. They may go and talk to the 
to other people and say, I don't like going to that bar because that guy's so sarcastic and he's mean. He can't just get what I asked for. Now, it's not my job, the school people, on how to behave when they're outside. Now, there's certain behaviors, obviously, I have to shut down. You know, if someone's being filthy in their language or, or misogynistic, you know, heavily misogynistic, racist, or any type, a hateful person, hateful light, lifestyles and stuff like that, yeah, I'll shut that down. But just because someone has a different perspective, I don't have to go and try to correct them. And the other night, uh, case in point, <clears throat> one of our regular customers, and I think I can say his name because that, what I'm going to say is not denigrating, nice guy named Kyle. He comes in late at night. He likes to have his bourbon. He likes to have uh, a little ginger beer with it. And he came in and we were just having a nice conversation. He's one of the last customers. We're having a talk. And he, uh, at the end of the night, there was still music playing. It was kind of loud. And he said, uh, he made this symbol of like, with the, the, the forefinger and the thumb together and the closed three fingers, where you wave it in front of yourself. It looks like you're miming signing. Signing. Signing something with a pen. And that's kind of like the universal... Uh, symbol check. I like to check. And he said to me, he asked me a question. He said, Jim, I was told that it's quite rude to use that sign for a check. And I said, who told you that? And the, the server told them that, you know, all you have to do is use the words. Please give me my check. It's disrespectful to use a symbol or something like that. And I looked at the guy and I said, Kyle, there's nothing disrespectful about it. Communication can happen in words. It can happen in miming. You can write it down. You know, obviously some people don't have the language skills. And, you know, if it's, you know, if they don't know about the universal sign of doing a check, that, you know, you don't need to do that either. You know, I don't have to be on top of these things. And I, I realized when that person, another person said to Kyle, that was rude. I, that's one thing I don't say. I don't tell people they're being rude. Now, the free and obnoxious, I'll shut them down. If they're being rude to someone else, I'll t- shut them down. Um, not, not so much to me. That's, that's up to them. I don't take offense for that. But I, I have to think about the behaviors I do behind the bar that I've been comfortable with, like eating. I am. I've been watching what I was eating the last four months since I've well, really in the last two three months since I heard about my blockage. I've really been kicking it into gear, eating a lot more vegetables, a lot more fruit, a lot a lot less meat. Um, I've been using more plant based protein. And that, that's kind of hard. But with that change of diet, also had a reduction in calories. So I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry. I'm like stuffing my face with broccoli, spinach, strawberries, bananas, apples. Uh, and as I said, and every so often I have to do uh, some kind of carb because I need that sugar. 
And I still have that ooh, crazy sugar addiction. You know, if someone asks, asks me for, uh, you know, do I want a piece of cake or a cookie or anything like that, I'm, all, I'm on it. I'm on it. I am down. I go down for that right away. You know, it's funny. I don't do that with soda, though. It's not one of those things I really get nutty about. But I, so with this deficit of calories, I, I have a tendency to grab crackers, you know, a couple crackers. And I'm always eating, munching behind the cat. And, and my, uh, my boss says, hey, Jim, you shouldn't be walking up to people chewing. I said, I don't even realize it sometimes. I don't even realize it. I'm behind the whole bar. I'm behind the whole uh, the bar for maybe seven hours without maybe taking you know maybe taking thirty seconds to run to the bathroom, which is on the other side of the bar. I go in there, do that. Well, actually, forty five seconds, right? Because yeah, twenty seconds washing my hands. Got to say that, you know, ten seconds there, ten seconds back, twenty seconds washing my hands, and and. Uh, so I, I have to watch those things. I have to say, hey, listen, if I'm going to do it, I got to leave the bar area. I got to go off the corner, stuff my face real quick, and then come back. So all those things that I know I'm doing, and it's habits are also a way of doing things. Yesterday I was, to, um, or the, a couple of days before, I may mention an episode, you know, there's always time to do maintenance, Breaking a habit is like a habit of doing nothing. Of leaving, you can make it a habit of leaving trash on the floor. It's good to break that habit. Be be particular about your surroundings, right? Create a habit of cleanliness. Create a habit of welcomeness. And when you do that, you're changing yourself. You're creating, um, they say... The suggestion, and I'll go more in depth later, is that instead of getting that instant gratification of being sarcastic or instant gratification of not doing anything, a famous a famous comedian says, um, you know, it's really hard to do something, to make a commitment, to go to a party and have plans or have plans with other people. And there's no better instant gratification then canceling your commitments. Like 100%. When you cancel a commitment, you get 100%. So I, I know that sometimes when I put in the effort, and it's, <laughs> it sounds like I'm a boss doing, building one of these um, you know, work philosophies. I'm just talking about philosophy of life. I know in the end, when I do the effort, and it sounds like, man, it sounds like a real ass kisser, that gym. Well, I'm doing it for myself. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the customer thinks, what the boss thinks, what's my coworkers think. It really matters what I think at the end of the day. And what I think I want to feel is that I did an excellent job. Or I put a, a, a good effort into doing whatever I'm doing. It's really easy to half-ass. It's so easy to half-ass. It is a... Um, you, it may not be a dopamine rush, 
but it definitely doesn't suck the dopamine out of you like doing the hard stuff. But in the end, just like a runner's high, you put that effort in, it starts kicking in and you start getting that delayed gratification. Because when you work out, you don't, you know, it hurts in the beginning. I went to the gym today and for the first 30, 40 minutes, I wasn't feeling when I went, you know, I lifted for a while and, you know, in the beginning because I'm, yes, his body's getting like a little rickety. So when I start lifting weights and things like that, my body's kind of a little stiff. So I'm moving around and stuff. And then towards the end, I'm loosening up and then I go and do my whatever cardio, let's say I'm rowing. And then I got the muscle. I always start off with a little muscle soreness. I begin with muscle soreness. Yeah, I know that sucks. But at the end, when I'm done towards the end, I just want to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And that's when I hit that peak. And the same thing goes for work when I'm doing a really good job and I'm clicking. I'm clicking with the customers. I'm clicking with my coworkers. I'm doing my job with effortless, effortless grace, effortless grace, and uh, building habits. Sometimes to become a master, some things I've heard this said before that it takes ten thousand times to become a master of something, and that's it. Sounds like an arbitrary number. I don't think it takes you ten. It's probably take you a couple hundred times. And you build those things. You get if you if you wait, and you eschew and don't do those harmful things. Those things that don't create the best atmosphere at your bar. You'll forget you had done them in in the past. Meaning you you forget the bad habits. You're. You eventually will forget the bad habits. And when you're doing the right thing, you start remembering it. At the end, I went on and on for 18 minutes on this. How in the hell did that happen? Let's talk about, so let's talk about it in your own personal life. As I told you, I had uh, changed my eating habits since my uh, health occurrence, my, my, my cardiac incident. And you heard it say ad nauseum. But let's talk about these other things. I worked hard and I did work hard to give up alcohol. I mean, for me, it's abstinence. It's not, I, I just don't have it in me to be a moderate user of alcohol. But I have it in me to be a moderate user of other things like meat. I love meat. I absolutely love meat. Can I not? Can I not eat it for a week or two? Sure. Do I not want to? No, I don't want to not eat it. I want to eat it. I would like to eat it every day. I would love to eat bacon every day. I don't really eat bacon anymore. It's turkey bacon from now on. It's a lot of a lot of broccoli, a lot of spinach, raw broccoli. I do raw broccoli because I, I realize it works better in my system and uh, these things that I do I still have remnants of it and right now it's sweets I got this thing for chocolate chip cookies Uh, I can eat 
You know, I can eat a box of chocolate chip cookies. I can eat a whole cherry pie. I can eat a quart of ice cream. I like uh, yellow cake with milk chocolate icing. I can eat about six cupcakes, those kind of cupcakes, with yellow cake and chocolate icing. I absolutely love it. And uh, I will binge it. I will binge it. And also, there's other things, and you think it may not be possible. Obviously, if you're gambling, you have a gambling problem, you will understand this. But popular culture could be addictive. Just sitting mindlessly in front of the television. I've done it many times. Binged watch things. I mindlessly scrolled on my phone for hours. I got, uh, every so often, I'm a big fan of these apps that are supposedly engage your mind. Right? And there's things that make you more nimble as we get older. And you think there's, they throw math questions at you. Puzzles. Um, you know, matching exercises and all this stuff. And they go to levels and they show you how you performed against other people. And there's certain logic things I do very well and there's certain logic things I don't do very well. Right? Like most of us. But, you know, I was using that game to better myself. But it, a game, I'm calling it a game. But it's an application. And there was one of the games they use that is called a candy stacker. And it looks like test tubes and you put these little candy things. Uh, they're all mixed match in each tube and you, you, you shift them around. You get like two extra tubes and there may be like 12 of them. And you shift them around so they all have the same four in it. And you'll do it and I just got wrapped up into it. And that, that was almost like it was some type of release when you were done at the end. A sense of accomplishment. Just like people get when they get addicted to crossword puzzles by their, or any, any type of event. Watching television, crossword puzzles, stacking candy, stuff like that. That's addictive behavior. I hesitate to call it an addiction, but it, we all have addictive behaviors. Some people may view it as OCD. For years, I had this thing about numbers. I always think about doubling numbers in my head. And I'll do it. I'll go 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, blah, blah, blah. I'll go up to millions. Right? And... I don't know where that came from. But I know it has to stop every so often. And the same thing has to go with the te uh, television, the, uh, the sweets, obviously the alcohol, smoking. Smoking was really di difficult. Now, smoking was unique. Smoking was unique because it, it combined almost all the addictions. There was a chemical addiction, psychological addiction. Okay, so I was addicted to the nicotine or whatever thing in the tobacco or the way they process the tobacco. And then uh, that, that was my body was physical, physically responding to the chemicals in that tobacco. 
And then my mind was having a Pavlovian, 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 Pavlovian response to the act of smoking. So they intertwined. I'm locking my fingers together right now. These habits intertwine. And so I had to uh, use an all, for me at least, because I was so prolific at smoking. When I was drinking, I was telling people, when I was drinking, I would get, if I was going out for five, six hours a night, I would get two packs of cigarettes. 40 cigarettes. And that would be like smoking six, seven Six cigarettes an hour, easy. Maybe five, five cigarettes an hour. Smoke, I mean, the quintessential word smoking like a chimney, that's what I did. So I had to stop. I was having a problem. I remember after smoking, I had a problem with the bronco. I feel my lungs closing in and things like that. And you know, until you have cancer, you think it can't happen to you. You know, they put all these warnings about cancer until you had it once. I guess that would be meaning or someone else had it, you'd think about it. But if you want to know how strong the addiction is to cigarettes, just get all the pictures of, you know, you know, Google picture of person with an oxygen tank having a cigarette. There's people that have, there's, I mean, I remember one of my, my great aunts, was hooked up to oxygen. She used to smoke cigarettes. If that's not an addiction, I don't know what is. They're, they're smoking cigarettes that cause them to have to be on, cause them to have emphysema or whatever problem they had, and they keep on smoking afterwards. Knowing that whatever deficiency they have in their body, they're creating more deficiency, uh, you know, that bronchial capacity. So the suggestion here, at least, uh, one of the ideas of it takes 28 days to create a habit. Well, it takes about 28 days to break a habit, too. You could, you could go and not do something. You can, if you can just go cold turkey and not do it, great. And then that, after 28 days, that should be fine, right? Oh, who says? It could be done after two, three days, right? I mean, you'll feel a craving, but it will drop less and less. And then after 28 days, there should be none. There should not be, if you have a chemical addiction, that should be out of your system. Psychological addiction, the things, other things you were doing should have replaced that. So leaving something, laying something aside, like let's say watching the TV too much, not eating meat, eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, going to the gym, that's all things you want to replace. Now, people say, you know, you can't give up everything. You can't give up everything. I'm not suggesting that you give everything. Addictions, I'd say addictions are something that you do repetitively that have a harmful effect on your lifestyle. So if you spend hours mindlessly scrolling on the, through social media on the phone, which I have been known to do, then you're doing that, uh, if you're working, you're doing that harming your work. You're not getting your work done. If you have 
chores to do, you're not doing your chores. You're not doing that self-improvement. You're not doing those things that will, in the long run, provide you enjoyment in the future. And you might say, well, listen, I enjoy scrolling through that thing. That's my thing. No. It is. It's a passive thing. You're really not doing anything. You're consuming. When you're scrolling, you're consuming. It's like eating a bag of chips. It just depends on how many bags of chips you do. So you should always set set yourself some limits. I'm not going to watch a lot of TV tonight. I go like this. It's uh, right now. It's 20 after two. At this exact moment, I don't have the TV on. I don't have that. I'm not going to put that on. I'm going to read a little while. I'm going to eat. Now I do realize this. This is a thing I had to watch. I have to watch that. I don't like to eat a lot of carbs until I'm done doing anything. Because for some reason, when I eat some carbs, my sugar spikes and then I get all nappy and then I don't get anything done. And sometimes it suits me just fine to get nappy and take a nap. Like today's my day off. And I'm thinking, I went to the gym, I, I did some laundry, I did some house chores, I'm doing a podcast, I did some writing and I'm going to eat my big meal. I'm going to eat my big meal and... So be it if I get uh, sleepy afterwards, I I set up that time for that. But I know if I do it in the morning, if I eat like a bunch of bread or load on the carbs, it just slows me down. It just slows me down. I don't want to be slowed down. I want to go and do it. I want to get that little uh, workout high, get that done, come home, do it. And it provides me all the things I need. I try to take away the things from me that don't make me an optimum system. I try to get them away from me as much as possible and try to bring in the things into my life that make me feel better in the long term. So whether you have a sex addiction, a gambling addiction, Addiction to gossip, social media addiction, things like that. If there's other things you have to do, and uh, you'll notice when you have an addiction, and it, that what happens is that addiction triggers that release of dopamine, but it's just short-lived. It's such a short-lived uh, release of that neurotransmitter that you need. You spend more and more time chasing that uplift that you get from it. And in the end, you just say, at the end, you do three, three, four hours, whatever you were doing. You think, well, I don't really feel good about what I was doing. I want to be able to do something that is actually going to Oh my God! My, my, yeah, I want to do something that uplifts me, and something I can look upon and say, "Listen, I got a lot accomplished today." Now, if your accomplishment was you were looking forward to stroll, I mean, scroll through uh, social media, waste a little time, blah 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 blah. That that's. I'm not saying 
that should be your goal, but maybe it is. Maybe that's your job. Maybe you're, you work for your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you're there to scroll through and look, uh, look at people's feeds and see if anything's offensive or just harmful to the community. But in general, there's other things you could do that would actually improve you and give you a more long-lasting boost. Definitely. Yeah. So really, people say, well, Jim, you, you had a heart attack when you went to a spin class. Well, I won't contribute a tribute the exercise I did to my physical almost demise because I went right back to it. And I knew I had to do some other things. I knew I just couldn't work out and eat a pound of bacon and six cupcakes. That I needed to have to change that, change things up a bit. Um, I'm not trying to be holier than now. I'm just saying this process of me learning these things were hard fought because I am at heart a lazy person. But I know when I go out to the gym and I write a little while and then I podcast and get things accomplished, I feel better in the long run. And it was a hard-learned lesson. It was a hard-learned lesson for me because I, I could just sit all day with the options and the opportunities you have now with all the streaming content that I can just do nothing. But I know the satisfaction I get from doing nothing is short-lived, whatever you want to call it, ephemeral, you know, just transparent but the other things that actually provide that are harder to do actually provide more enjoyment in the long run maybe not as an intense high as you might get but then again that intense high you get from doing those other things slowly and when it comes addicted they're almost non-existent to the high you got originally from watching good streaming. When you first when you first exposed to it, when we had the opportunity, everything's available on the internet. Everything's available on your TV. How exciting is that? But once you've seen all the things you really wanted to see, it you feel kind of empty. So just think about things that you know are gonna provide you that boost, things that are taking away from your life and the things you could do to improve it. And, and working that balancing act you have. Because when you tip the scales to like not doing anything, to doing something. And when I'm, I'm not just talking about physical activity going to the gym. I'm just talk, talking about doing it. It could be reading a book, reading a classic, um, being l- learning how to play an instrument, learning some new art form, paint. Sculpture, some some sport, some activity, all these things, they provide long-term. And be careful about turning that. Obviously, you know, if you get addicted, you, you know, there's people that get addicted to running. Yeah, I know. There's a way to do it. You're just all about the running. Well, you got to be careful. You're the kind of person to do that. You're just going to run yourself into the ground. You got to be careful. 
But in general, the things you do that are harder for yourselves, that are harder on yourself, that create some kind of challenge that you have to overcome, they're going to provide you with longer-term benefits. Well, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. I'm ending this for today. I will be back again maybe later on this week. Have a great day. Bye.